beautiful people. Welcome to Chronicles Abroad. It's a podcast show that uses travel to highlight stories of personal growth. So each week we'll spotlight the stories of courageous world travelers, creative wanderers, and digital nomads who share their incredible experiences of the world through their eyes. If you like traveling, this is what you need. So tune in. beautiful people thank you and welcome to chronicles abroad i'm francis and i'm nubia so today we are sitting with denoris johnson denoris is an avid traveler he's traveled to 53 countries on six different continents he loves to travel because he loves learning about other cultures and different ways of thinking he also created travel and truth which is a video blog that tells stories about different parts of the world where he's shining travel tips culture, talks about the people, and the histories of countries in Africa and the diaspora. Uh, so he wanted to show things that were never taught to a lot of us in school and, of course, rarely shown on TV. So thank you, Denoris, for being here with us. Uh, thank you guys for inviting me on the platform. So you mentioned that you never left your city, and that's why you were motivated to see the world. But was there a particular incident that sparked that desire? Yeah. So growing up, I was one of those kids. I'm from Atlanta, Georgia, born and raised. Uh, one of the few, as we say. Um, but growing up, I never left the city limits unless I was visiting family in the country. Uh, but doing that, it always made me want to you know, see more of what's outside of my comfort zone. But I would say the event that really changed things was uh, I ended up going to college and I went to Georgia Tech. For those who are not familiar with Georgia Tech, it's, uh, it's a school that has uh, it's predominantly white, but there, there's a huge international community. So you have people from all over the world uh, that makes up, let's say, 30 to 40 percent of, of, of the university. And my freshman year, to date myself, this was uh, right after we uh, the United States invaded Iraq. And the only thing that you would see on TV about the Middle East is that, you know, it's a bunch of terrorists and, you know, it was a lot of negative images of people from the Middle East. So my freshman year, my roommates were straight from Pakistan. And uh, I remember the first time I saw them. I ran out the room and I called everyone back home. It was like, you know, my, my roommates is the Taliban. You know, I was really? so I was so close minded back then. Um, but then I went back into the room uh, and I actually had a conversation with them. And they kept telling me about all the different places they had been around the world. But then also in the Middle East, they kept telling me about how beautiful places like Iran and Iraq are, you know, places that, you know, the only images that we saw on TV back then were it was desert and it was just a lot of negativity from there. And so after hearing these guys and also a lot of people that I would get to know from Georgia Tech who are from different countries, after talking to them and them telling me about all the places they had been or them telling me about their home countries, it really sparked a curiosity in me to actually want to see these places that the American media portrayed to be dangerous or if you go there, you're going to get kidnapped or catch some horrible disease. So that was really the turning point in my life was meeting people outside of my comfort zone uh, at my university. That's awesome because, you know, often... When you look at like if you go to the travel advisory and they're like, don't go here, don't go there. But then I've talked to people they are like, I'm here now and it's really it's totally fine. Of course, there are probably little pockets that you might want to avoid. But overall, it's really not ever as scary as the states makes places to be at all. 
Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Every place to me, most places I've been, it's always been like Atlanta, where even in Atlanta, there's places that, you know, you just shouldn't go. And so as long as you use common sense and street smarts, then then it's, it's fine. Exactly. You know, you made some sacrifices to travel the world. Like I said, you've been to 53 countries and we actually saw a video that said you had a flip phone. <laughs> you had a car that had 270,000 miles on it. Can you share what that sacrifice was like for you and how you're able to delay immediate gratification to make this happen? Yeah. So, you know, one of the things that I wanted to do as soon as I graduated and I started working, one of the things I really wanted to do was just save money so I could travel. And Part of that was I had to reduce my cost and, and really live like a minimalist. So I did drive a uh, like a 25 year old car that had 270,000 miles on it uh, when everyone was getting the new smartphones is when smartphones were just start coming out and everyone was grabbing them. I still held on to my flip phone for years. Uh, and a lot of my friends cracked jokes. You know, I didn't dress flashy. I didn't wear jewelry or anything like that. But a lot of my friends cracked jokes, you know, about me constantly. So that was a little bit tough. And then I remember I remember going on this date, a few dates where girls would look at the car I was driving and, and reconsider if they want to go on a second date with me. So that was that was a little tough in itself. But overall, you know, it was all worth it. A lot of people didn't understand at the time what I was doing. You know, when you're doing these things, you're like, oh, I'm doing it to travel and you've never been anywhere. People are just like, ah, oh, yeah, whatever, whatever. But then when you start to actually travel, then they're like, oh, man, how is it that you get to travel? It's like they can't put two and two. They can't connect the dots. But uh, one of the things I wanted to do was just and I still do this to this day, was just uh, cut back on material things so I can experience more uh, while I'm still on this earth. And it's paid dividends, by the way. <laughs> so tell us, when did you get into vlogging? How did um, how did this come out to be your thing? Like, how did you well, get into well, this? Well, it, it first initially started when I was first traveling. Um, I would go to these places that the media, once again, would say were dangerous. And not only would I have a good time, but then also I would learn so much about the black history in all, a lot of these countries. So, you know, when I would go to uh, Mexico, I learned about the Olmec heads. Uh, when I went to Brazil, I started learning about all the different Afro-Brazilian history and culture that they have there that's so rich. All these different countries I would go to, I would always end up connecting with a lot of the black locals. I would learn so much through them about their culture, their history. And so it's one of those things we kind of live in the U.S. We live in a bubble where since our culture and our way of life is kind of exported to the rest of the world, we don't have as much of an opportunity to learn about how the other parts of the world are living, you know, um, and, and how their cultures are. And, and, and a lot of stuff is oftentimes fascinating. And so I first created a blog initially to basically talk about all the different black history that I learned and also like where when people do travel to these places where to go. If they do want to experience the black culture, the black history, what it's like in these different countries. Uh, but then after a few blog posts, I realized I hated writing. And I'm much more at the, better at the video uh, side of things. <laughs> right, right. And so that's when I switched over to more of a vlogging uh, platform uh, where I just basically want to show people, especially when it's dealing with Africa and the diaspora, I want to be able to show people what it's like to travel to Africa. What do you need to know? What are some of the things that I've learned that I necessarily not in our history books? You know, when I was growing up, I'm not sure how the education was in Boston, but in the South, in, in Atlanta, we had a history book that was 200 pages but only five pages were about Africa, you know, and when I ended up traveling to Africa, I started to learn about all these different empires that were never in my, my history books. I started learning about uh, all these different rich cultures, these different kingdoms that all were very sophisticated and all 
added a lot to society and were way more advanced than people would have ever thought. But for some reason, they were omitted from our history books. And so I started this platform to educate people on what was always denied from them, either through our schools or through television and the news and the media portraying certain places to be dangerous or just a lot of misinformation. And that's why I call my platform Traveling Truth. And it's because I didn't learn the truth about who I was as a black man in the global sense until I started to travel. I didn't learn about the truth about our history as a, as a people until I started to travel and, and see these things face to face. Well, you said something that kind of struck my attention. You said, as a people, we don't have the opportunity, but I disagree. I think we have the opportunity, but we don't necessarily take the opportunity. And that kind of leads into why do you feel as though Black men don't travel as much? You know what I mean? Especially internationally. I'm going to hit you with a different side of it. You know, I honestly do believe that Black men travel a lot. It's just that we don't post as much. Like there's a lot of brothers I know who travel a lot, but they they're not on Instagram or if they are on Instagram, they, they rarely post. And when they do post, the pictures are not as beautiful <laughs> as some of these pictures that a lot of sisters and a lot of just a lot of people in general are taking on social media. But I do. Every time I travel, I, I see a lot of brothers in, that I, I meet, we connect, but, you know, I, they just don't post. So I do believe that a lot of brothers are traveling. It's just that they don't they're not they're not as skilled with social media as as, as other people. And you're not you guys are not the first person to ask me this question. Someone else asked me this question a while ago. And the analogy I made was uh, it was kind of like the Trump election. Right. If you go on social media, you couldn't find that many people who were Trump supporters. But then during the election, they all came out. And statistically, they found out that these people, the typical Trump voters, were not necessarily uh, on Twitter as much as, you know, people who were Hillary supporters. And so sometimes social media can can skew things. But I see a lot of brothers travel and I personally know a lot of brothers that travel. They're just not good with the marketing side of of their exploits. But why not share the information? I mean, my thing is that, you know, in the travel industry right now, it does seem like women is rocking the industry. Oh, yeah. You know, black, white or indifferent. That part is true. Um, That part is very much true. And there are black men that do travel, but not even close to the numbers as women. I think that a lot of times men do travel for things like work, maybe hang out with the fellas, but to actually be culturally immersed in another person's culture. I haven't seen much of that until we started doing our own series, the Black Men Travel series, which has been great because it even opened our eyes to a lot of people that we didn't know about. But yeah, I mean, what you're doing is is commendable. It's great, you know, to put that out there. But it's kind of like, why aren't men out there doing this more? No, that's... I mean, I think Denoris, because this is the second time, at least I've heard that men just aren't as... They just don't care too much about always posting and getting the right picture, the right Instagram photo. And that's uh, not even what I'm talking about. You know about. what I mean? No, I'm that. I mean, it makes sense though. Like a lot of them aren't marketing themselves in that. They're not posting as much. They're not on social media doing it as much as other people. I think that might be the case. I think in general, women are a lot better with social media in general. Like me, myself, I struggle with social media, just to be completely honest with you. Uh, it's something that I'm not I'm, I'm still learning. But I also think that it's just uh, I think women are uh, it's, it's easier for them to. I think, number one, 
a lot of women support each other a lot more. That's number one. Uh, you guys have hashtags, black girl magic. You guys have, I mean, you guys support each other a lot more. I don't think that's the case with the brothers, but I don't know. I don't have a good answer as to why brothers are not out there sharing the knowledge. Well, I will say, though, you mentioned that uh, a lot of people are not uh, or a lot of brothers are not out there um, immersing themselves in the culture. I think people in general are not necessarily immersing themselves with the culture. And the reason why I say that is that I get a lot of people who contact me on Instagram, Facebook, and ask me questions about traveling to different places. And what I realized lately is that a lot of their questions are very superficial. They just want to go to a place, take a picture, and then leave, right? So I have a lot of people that hit me up and say, oh, hey, I want to travel to Egypt. How many days should I be there? And I tell them, okay, if you really want to experience Egypt, you need to be there like two weeks. If you really want to learn a lot about the history, and they say, oh, I just want to take pictures in front of the pyramids and then bounce. I get so many of those questions. And so I, I do question whether or not as a culture, is that many people immersing themselves in a the culture or is just everyone out here just doing it for the ground? And I, and based on the questions I received on Instagram, I think a lot of people out here doing it for the ground, unfortunately, which is why I started my platform is to educate people on some of the cultures so that when they do try to immerse themselves in a the culture, it's, it's a lot easier for them. And I think you're not too far off by that because I do like, you know, I was, I was going through your Instagram and I thought it was super informative and very helpful. And I love the approach that you've taken because it's not like any other travel gram that just focuses on beautiful mouthwatering photos, which is, you know, yeah, which is cool and all, you know, I like to see that too. But I think the information that you share is so valuable, especially pertaining to the African diaspora. And because I think a lot of people do have that fear to visit Africa or fear to visit a lot of countries. But once they get the facts, it makes things a little bit easier. So this leads me to ask, like, how do you find and verify the content that you share? You know, we're more than just travel. We provide tips, resources and hacks for the curious traveler in you. So whether you're a lover of travel or just someone who is ready for a change, we have something for everyone. So I do try to read. If I can't, if I can't read some of the books, I, I at least skim them just to be honest with you. <laughs> but I, I do uh, try to read a lot of the books. Uh, but then also when I do go to these places, uh, I am constantly asking locals when I'm there. And then after I leave about a lot of pieces of the information, especially when it's about like the culture. So um, like if I go to a country, I like to cover uh, the different ethnic groups, for example. Like, for example, in Africa, you know, one of the misconceptions about Africa is that Africa is one country or even within a country all the people are the same. And when you really look into it before colonization, all these different groups of people were their own different nations. There was over, let's say, a thousand different ethnic groups with their own different languages, different ways of life. They were all their own sovereign nations. And then when Europeans came to the continent, they, they, they drew these artificial borders that we know now as the 54 countries of Africa. And when you go to these places, a lot of people think that, okay, everyone in Nigeria is the same. Everyone in Ghana is the same. And you realize that all these different people you know, there's a difference between the Yorubas and the Igbos and the Hausa people of, of Nigeria and so on and so forth. And so when you think about some of these countries and, and the reason why I did start this platform is that when somebody does travel, I do want them to learn as much as possible about these different ethnic groups, all the different information. So it's easier for them to immerse uh, themselves into the culture. How do you feel travel has transformed you as a person? Well, I, I kind of gave a hint towards it earlier that I was a little closed minded. <laughs> Uh, when I was in my younger years, me personally, I was very closed minded. Uh, I didn't have that much exposure to the world. I'm going to give three examples or at least two examples if I can. Right. The first example, uh, when I first went to Brazil, 
for the first time, I ended up uh, going to one of the favelas. And this is, I think, what, 2010, 2011. So it was it was not too far after the 2008 crash, uh, the financial crash of 2008. So I ended up going to the favelas in Brazil and I ended up having one of the time of my lives. Like, you know, I was out on the streets. People were dancing. People who literally, you know, some of them made $80 a month, but they were happy. Right. They they enjoyed life. They were out there selling. People was out there doing the samba. They had the drums. People were outside celebrating life. And it was a stark contrast when I got back on the plane, came back to the U.S. And then uh, the first thing I see, you know, when you're in the airport and they got the little TVs uh, when you're trying to uh, wait for your bags. One of the things I saw that that man killed himself, who was, you know, a million. You know? So it was I went from being around people who were making eighty dollars uh, a month. But they were happy and they enjoyed life to the first thing I see is a man killed himself in the U.S. because he lost his job, but he was worth a million dollars. And so one of the things that one of the ways that that changed me and my philosophy is that, you know, it's not about necessarily money or anything like that, that we've been conditioning in, in, in the Western world to think or material things or how much you got or where you live, you know, what type of clothes you wear. You know, when you're around people that have much less, but they're happy, it puts you in a different mindset that there's more to life than everything that we've taught as what is the American dream. So that was the that was uh, one of the first things that kind of changed me as a person. And the second thing is, you know, just being around different people, different cultures, one of the things I love doing when I travel is learning about different people, different cultures and really swagger jacking, if that's a word. But I, I like to jack people's ideology and incorporate it to my own. Right. And so one of the things is, you know, um, I love being around people who were from like Eastern Europe of our age because their mindset of, you know, what do you need in order to just live is, is different. Like I remember having a conversation with this Russian guy and he was like, why do I need more than one pair of shoes? And I was like, oh, well, you need one for this. And da, da, da. he was like, nah, you know, he, he grew up under communist Russia. And so for them, it's all about saving money and investing, not necessarily spending it on materialistic goods. I just like to go travel to places when you talk to people and you learn about the way that they think, even being around a lot of uh, traveling in Africa, you learn about the way they structure their society and the way how family oriented they are. And that's something that in America, we've kind of uh, gotten away from. And not not to say family oriented, but community organized, community oriented. And so what I mean by that is uh, you go to a lot of places in Africa and that concept of a village raises a kid is still a, a real thing. Like my, my wife, for example, is Nigerian. In the Nigerian community in Atlanta, you know, a lot of them know each other. A lot of them help raise each other's kids. So it's not, you know, Let's say if somebody's dad traveled a lot or wasn't there, they still got a million uncles, you know, uh, that are not necessarily blood related. A lot of them, are, you know, they may only have three blood related uncles, but then they have like a million uncles that all, you know, if you go to any event, you go to any uh, Nigerian wedding, you, you see them ask the kids, oh, you know, uh, what college are you going to? They're asking them from a young age. And it's really that whole village raises a community mindset that one of the reasons why you see a lot of, uh, I think statistically, I think they said that Nigerians have the highest level of degrees in America. And it's because you have that village raises a kid type of mindset is, is why you have that type of thing. So in general, traveling and really just adopting different people's philosophies, their ideology, their culture is sometimes to me is what helped me grow as a person. I know that was a bit of a long answer, but I've experienced so much and I've seen so much uh, that every time I travel, I evolved in leaps and bounds each time I travel, especially if I travel by myself. 
No, I love that because that's what, at least, I know, we, we see that in Asia too. Even, like, you know, I teach in Thailand and I will see how much, even the, the peers, like the young people, how they come together to support one another in various projects and tasks. And you see that community all around in Thailand. I've seen it in Japan. And you're right, it's something that is very much lacking or we've gone away from in America, that whole community aspect of it all. And it remi- it kind of helped me to realize, okay, I really, you know, we're not as individualized as we like to make it seem. And I've come to appreciate that while being abroad. Yeah, um, yeah. And so, yeah. Back in my day, not to date myself, but back in my day, you know, if I was acting up, the neighbors could discipline me. You know what I'm saying? Now that's not the case, you know, where the neighbors got permission from my mom, for example, to discipline me if I was out there acting a fool. Now that's not the case. You know, now it's more times have changed. We'll put it that way. Times have changed. Yeah, they sure have changed. No, we actually was talking about that earlier today when I was like, you know, I'm older than you. So there was a point in time that if I was riding the public bus, I wasn't swearing because if somebody knew my grandmother, I knew by the time I hit the door, she knew I was out there cursing. You know what I mean? There was some level of fear that you had about your parents or your grandparents, you know, seeing you do some stuff that probably wasn't the best. Now these days, these kids have no level of respect for what they do or what they say. And a part of that is the fact that society as a whole has made it so taboo to discipline your your children number one. Number two is, you know, I think when it comes down to travel, because I'm a parent and for so many years, I always thought it was so expensive. And that's really not the truth. I, I was spending more money going to places like Miami and New York than I would have traveling internationally had I known how to do it. No, exactly. And that's one of the ways uh, we talked about me. Uh, you asked a question earlier about the flip phone and the and the, and the the hoopty. I'm not sure if you guys use that word up north, but, but down south, we call it a hoopty when you have a, a beat up car. But one of the ways I... Oh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> one of the ways I've been able to travel a lot is that when I do travel, I travel for the low. I stay in hostels. You know, um, I travel to countries where they're not expensive. I, I ride the local buses. You know, I don't stay in fancy hotels. I stay in hostels. Like one of the misconceptions about Africa is that it's expensive to travel there. And the flights are expensive. Can't get around that. But once you get there, the prices of everything is much cheaper. So, for example, I stayed in a hostel and it wasn't even a hostel. I stayed in a hotel in Ethiopia for three dollars a night. And I stayed at that hotel for a week. You know, that's something that you can't do in a lot of parts of the world. Then that hotel wasn't the best of quality. If I was to keep it real. But I still I still let after that stayed at a decent hotel for thirty dollars a night. So um when you guys travel, do you guys, are you, what type of uh, accommodations are you traveling? Are you traveling Airbnbs, bread and breakfasts, hostels? What are you guys doing? I think it's a mixture. When we went to India, there was no half-stepping. You get what I'm saying? Certain places, you have to know your comfort level. I mean, when I stayed in Indonesia, I stayed in a hostel that was $3 a night. And it was like a big family. And it was great. It was comfortable beds. It was clean. But then you have some countries you go to and you have to stay in a hotel. Like, I would never stay in a hostel in India. You couldn't pay me to do that. You know what I mean? No, no, no. That's understandable. Yeah. And in Africa, I stayed with friends. So I have to say this out loud. Like, I tell people all the time, if you got friends that say, come visit, come visit. (laughs) That's a great way. If you don't have to pay for accommodations, that's half the battle right there. 
And, you know, in Africa, isn't as cheap, but it's not as expensive either. I think my flight was like 860 round trip. But it's like you can't put a price tag on an experience. No, you really can't. You can't. That part is very much true. Yeah. So tell us a little bit more about your documentary that you're working on. Sorry to interrupt, guys, but we have some amazing news to share. We are launching our From Novice to Nomad, the ultimate blueprint to moving abroad course, where we're literally going to walk you step by step into the moving abroad process. Yes. And so we meet you where you are in your journey. So make sure to pre-enroll now. Grab your seat while you can. Link will be in the show notes. So we look forward to seeing you guys. Okay. Uh, yeah. So I am creating a documentary named Traveling Truth as well. So I'm creating this documentary and it's really to highlight Africa and the diaspora. So each episode will be about a different country. And what I want to do is really in an artistic and cinema, uh, a very artistic way, show Africa and these different countries and the culture, the history, the, the different people uh, in a way that is entertaining, it's artistic, but it's in a way that people rarely see. You know, I was talking to my my director of photography yesterday because he sent me a clip of a travel blogger that is not of African descent. And one of the things that I always see, if it's a travel vlogger or a uh, the media, etc., is that they go to these countries and this is what they do. They they go to these countries, they get off the plane, they get in a taxi cab, they pass a huge city while and then they'll go to the safaris or they go to some poor part of the country. And then they, that's when they start filming. And the particular video was about Uganda that he showed me. And I was like, you know, I've been to Uganda. You know, they didn't show Kampala at all. They didn't show all the different beauty. They just went straight to the safaris into the poor areas. And the part that I'm going to show in these documentaries, uh, it's a docuseries, is the history the people, all the different uh, ethnic groups, the, the cities. I want to be able to show these cities that we rarely get to see. Uh, I want to be able to show the beautiful side of these countries that you rarely get to see. Um, and then also, I, I'm really tapping into you know the zeitgeist in a lot of these countries. So the first episode will be of Ghana. Uh, we've already filmed it right now. We are in the post-production of it. You know, we were able to interview the Bill Gates of West Africa. This is this, uh, this Ghanaian brother who started a software company is doing very well. We were able to interview a lot of social media influencers. We were able to interview the daughter of Kwame Nkrumah, who was the first president of Ghana, who was, to me, if you have a Mount Rushmore of black leaders in the past 200 years, he's on that Mount Rushmore. He was a you could say he followed the the ideology of Marcus Garvey. Uh, he is what inspired Martin Luther King, Malcolm X, and all these guys to go on and carry out the civil rights movement, as well as he inspired a lot of the, all the different African countries to gain their independence as well. Because Ghana was the first country to gain their independence. He invited all of these guys to the country, including, if you ever look up uh, Malcolm X, Martin Luther King, Maya Angelou, uh, W.E.B. Du Bois in Ghana, all of them were at these celebrations and all of these guys were constantly visiting Ghana to learn more about how they were able to gain their independence. And they took these lessons and they came back to America and all the other African leaders went back to their countries to uh apply these lessons that we learned from Ghana. And so it's a lot. We, we, we're covering, it's going to be entertaining. It's going to be uh, very informative, but at the same time, fun. And so I can't wait. 
it should come out. The first episode should come out later this year. Uh, it, it is independent film. Um, I uh, produced it myself, or at least uh, you know uh, I financed it myself. It's a uh, situation where I did I backpacked across Africa for six months. I'm not sure if uh, if I told you guys that, but in 2015 I quit my job to backpack across Africa for six months. I backpacked from South Africa all the way up to Egypt, and I filmed my whole experience. And so a lot of that are the videos that you see coming out. Uh, on YouTube and Instagram. But then um, when I came back to the US, I pitched the idea of this this TV series. And some people were rocking with it, some people weren't. Um, and so I decided to go the independent route. Now I'm at the the phase of doing it uh, from an independent filmmaker. So I hire uh, some very talented filmmakers, Thomas Brown, Hums, in order to do so. So we're very, very excited. And and hopefully when uh, when it's time for this show to be released, I, I can come back on the show and, and give you guys a little bit more of the behind the scenes, the details of, of what went into producing it. Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, I'm excited about this because I always say, like, no one can tell our stories the way that we can. And it's very important that we do tell our own stories because it makes a difference. It really does. And representation matters always. So I love that you're doing that. And I'm glad that you mentioned that because I've looked at other people's uh, docu-series about, you know, just traveling in just different countries. And once again, it's one of those things where when people from other cultures travel to these places, they don't come anywhere close of tapping into the, the, the essence of the culture. They don't. I'm just going to keep it real. I don't think they care about the people. I don't think they care about the culture. All they care about is the animals and showing poverty. And that's just me being honest. So that's the reason why I created this docuseries is to really capture what black folks need to know about our own history. And then also when we travel to these different places. That's amazing. I love it. I love it. And we're excited. And we are, of course, we'd love to have you back on to kind of share, you know, the post of all of what you're doing (laughs) now, for real. How was your backpacking journey for six months? Uh, It was the best thing that ever happened to me. Uh, I I wish more people and and I'm going to talk about this, you know, as as more and more uh, content comes out. But I think more people should do that. So it's a situation where because I did have that beat up car, that hoopty and that flip phone for years and years, years, I was able to save up for seven years um, to do so. So and it kind of taps into one of the early questions is uh, when we talked about how has traveling you know, changed me? One of the things that I learned when I was traveling was this concept of a gap year. I had never heard of it before that. And when I was traveling a lot before, uh, let's say years, years and years before, I would meet a lot of Europeans. I would le- meet a lot of Canadians and they would be on their gap years, which I'm pretty sure you guys meet a lot of Australians, Europeans, Canadians in Thailand on their gap years. And so what I learned is a gap year is basically where they take a six months to a year just to travel. And so uh, I saved up for seven years just to be able able to do that. And when I finally went on the trip, it was the most amazing experience. And traveling in Africa, I did a lot of research. I read a lot of books before I went and nothing prepared me for all that I learned when I was there. Nothing prepared me to learn about the Zimbabwe empire. I knew about the Zimbabwe empire, but when you're actually there, you learn so much more that that it's insane. Um, the people there treated me so well. The people all throughout Africa treated me like I was a cousin. I like to say, like you, I don't know if you remember the movie um, Poetic Justice when they went to the they went to the barbecue and they were like, uh, oh, cousin Pete, and they were like, oh yeah, you, yeah. you know, you, you, you black, we all family, and that's how I felt traveling throughout Africa. Like everyone would invite me to their homes, cook for me. 
take show me around in different countries, teach me about all the different culture, the do's and the don'ts. I just honestly felt like I was visiting my cousin's house the whole time I was there. Uh, I did not have not one bad experience the whole six months. It was not dangerous. If anything, I had to make a huge adjustment going from spending six months in Africa to coming back in the U.S. When I came back to the U.S., I had to make a huge adjustment because subconsciously there's a lot of things that we do without realizing it because we are a minority here. But when you're on a continent in Africa for six months or however long and you are the majority or you're around black folks all the time, no one's judging you by your accent. They judge you by the content of your character or, or the words that actually come out your mouth. No one's judging you on the way you dress and all these types of things. It's really about the content of who you are as a person and how you get down for the most part. So there's just a lot of things that when I was in Africa that I learned um, that and, and I took for me forever. And it's really what propelled me to start this docuseries because I wanted more people to learn all the different things that I learned when I was on the continent of Africa. And I do encourage more black folks that, especially if you have kids, if you can save up money for them to at least spend a month or three months in Africa, you know, after they graduate or as a graduation gift, then I heavily promote that. It, it is life changing. Everyone I know, because I've talked to a lot of young folks who have spent you know, a month or two in Africa through like study abroad or anything like that. And they come back and say, man, I, I didn't want to come back. And that's the one thing that is always funny to me in America. The, the media portrays it that, you know, America is the best country in the world. And if you go any other place, you're going to hate it or it's dangerous, et cetera. There's a lot of black folks that have went to Africa and like, I didn't want to come back. I and mean, there's a lot of black folks I know who have went to Africa and decided to stay there permanently. So, yeah, that, it, it was just an amazing experience. And I do hopefully that more people can do it as well. So any plans to actually move abroad? Is that in the foreseeable future? Yeah. So uh, th there is plans. Uh, I have, you know, of course, I'm, I'm married and I also recently have a uh, I had a son that was born two months ago. Congratulations. Yeah, appreciate it. Appreciate it. Welcome appreciate to the it. club. So have, yeah. Thank you. Thank you. You thank got you. a passport already? <laughs> Uh, no, no, I don't have that yet. Uh, I'm still trying to get some decent hours of sleep right now, but but I'm going to get his passport soon. But when he's at a decent age, then, yeah, the, that conversation will definitely happen about whether or not to move abroad and which country, because Africa's so big, each country. I'm in love with so many different countries that I don't know if I could just stay in one country for for longest. I might just have to bounce around, you know. Um, but we'll, we'll see. We'll see. I love it. So what would you say to the brothers and sisters out there that are afraid to leave that block or still don't have a passport? What would you say to inspire them to travel for the first time? So it's time to dive deep and look into the holistic perspective of travel. We believe traveling is an investment in you. So our mission is to inspire you to book that flight Check that item off your bucket list and go on that adventure. And our hope is to ignite connections all over the world. The number one thing I say is that it's absolutely worth it. I think outside of passive income, uh, traveling is the best thing that you can do for investment. Uh, it's more of an investment to yourself than anything else. I often find that you grow so exponentially as a person when you travel, especially if you travel by yourself. I find that when I do a lot of solo travel, the, the amount of growth I have, because you're forced to, you know, talk to locals and, and really explore by yourself. The amount of self-growth you have is incredible. But more importantly, it's important to just see different things, experience new ways of living. Number one, so you can broaden your horizons 
And then also you become a better person. And it helps you out so many different ways. Not to make this a little personal, but I know for a fact that I'm able to do a lot better in business because I've experienced a, a, a lot more in life. I'm able to connect with different people. An older gentleman once told me that people don't necessarily, uh, I'm, in, I'm into sales now. So he says that people don't necessarily buy products, people buy people. And what he meant by that is that even in uh, a light of business, people want to be able to connect with you. Doing business or or even if you're in a dating game or anything like that, it works a lot better if they can connect with you. And it's a lot easier to connect with people if you know a lot about their their culture and where they're from. So to give an example, I've been at dinner with people from India, people from Brazil, people from all around the world, even if I'm walking down the street and I find out where they're from. And I say, oh, yeah, I've been to that country. I'm a huge fan of that soccer, that, that soccer team. And, and their, their eyes light up. And then all of a sudden, I'm their most favorite person in the world because they're like, oh, you know, I've been in this country for several years. No one's ever known about the town I'm from in my country or, you know, et cetera. And you end up getting a lot of preferential treatment because of it. It helps you a lot in business. It helps you a lot in personal relationships. It just helps you out in general as a human being. So it's not just, it helps you as a person growth wise. You're able to broaden your horizons. You're able to think of different ways. You're also able to hopefully add different purpose. For me, you know, one of the things and one reason I started this platform is to add purpose to my life. And I would have never been able to add purpose to my life if I didn't first get on that plane. And I was scared to death to get on the plane. Uh, I didn't get on a plane until I was uh, in college. And so for me to get on, uh, even today for me to get on planes is, uh, is no easy feat, but to take that first step, and I know it's fearful, especially if you've never been outside of your comfort zone, but it's, it's absolutely worth it. You know, there's no, it's kind of like, if I can make an analogy, it's kind of like going to the gym, right? You can't get, if you're trying to pump iron and get bigger, grow muscles, you can't do it without making your muscles feel uncomfortable without some discomfort, without some pain. When they say no pain, no gain. The same way is for when you are uh, trying to grow as a person. You can't grow as a person unless you are outside of your comfort zone, unless you experience some type of discomfort. And there's no better way of getting outside your comfort zone than to getting on a plane and going to some foreign country where the people may not necessarily you know, look like you or think like you or talk or even like have your same language. And so for me, my best advice is if, if, if you want to just grow in all different phases of life, then it's best to, to travel. No, I think that's a valid point because your worldview expands. So it really doesn't make it easier for you to relate to other people. It really does. Even if you're just moving to from the north to the south, you know, because the north, the north is <laughs> yep. vastly different than the south, vastly different than the west and the Midwest. Even if you're just traveling within your own country, it's going to have an mm -hmm. impact on you in regards to others and connecting with other people. Yep. Yep. And so and mm -hmm. I do want to add this one point too, just from a community standpoint, we talked about individual, but even from a community standpoint, I do. One of the reasons I promote traveling to Africa in the diaspora with two things. Number one, when a lot of brothers and sisters do travel, I want to see more people traveling to Africa to support those local economies. Number one, we, we sometimes tend to support economies of people that don't necessarily support us. You know, we support economies in Europe that continuously colonize economically a lot of countries in the Caribbean and Africa. And then on top of that, I also want to see more brothers and sisters travel to the continent of Africa and the diaspora because at the end of the day, we are one global community. Okay. Uh, I've been to all six continents. It doesn't matter if you're in Brazil, the black folks there are oppressed economically. If you're in Africa, there's still a large parts of Africa, a lot of African countries where economically they are still colonized. I've been to Australia chopping up with the Aborigines. They are still disenfranchised. And so 
in the U.S., we know the situation in the U.S. Globally, we are all still in some way or fashion suppressed. And I want to see more traveling to these different places to make those connections so we can because there's misconceptions on both sides. Right. We got a lot of brothers and sisters in America that believe that what they see on TV about Africa and then in Africa, what I what I've grown to learn is that they only see negative images of us. They only see images of us of, you know, rap videos where folks are talking about killing each other and selling drugs to each other. And so we need to travel more to, number one, destroy these misconceptions, but then also band together so that we can make a unified front, support each other's economies so that all of us can fight this oppression and we don't have to rely on other communities for support. We can rely on each other. And I'll say one more thing. One of the shocking things that I did see in Africa was that there wasn't, I was expecting to go to Africa and it was going to be like Boomerang. Like, if you remember the movie Boomerang, like, you know, all the executives and all that stuff was black. And, you know, I was expecting that in Africa. And what I was shocked by is how much everything in Africa is imported. Not only say everything, but a lot of the goods, a lot of the cars, a lot of the manufactured uh, computers, cell phones, everything is imported from Europe and Asia. And, and I would love to see a point where black companies in the U.S., black companies in Africa are created and we're both supporting each other. We're not supporting Gucci and all these other brands that throw subliminal shots at us. We're supporting each other and helping each other's economies. So. That's fair enough. It's tapping into conscious traveling. It's tapping into macroeconomics. I get it. Yeah, I, I'm sorry if I had to empty out the clip, but... <laughs> no, it's cool. He said empty out the clip. He's <laughs> so silly. No, I mean, no, it's, it's, valid it's, point. it's It's a very valid point. And, you know, I think that travel just opens you up as a person in general, regardless if you go to Africa or any other place in the world. Just taking time out to really learn someplace new and get to meet new people, it just opens and expands your horizons. Mm-hmm. Period. So thank you so much, Denoris, for being with us. How can our audience find you on social media? Uh, so on YouTube, I am Traveling Truth. And on Instagram, I'm at Traveling Truth. And then um, when the docu-series is released, uh, the first place it's going to release is, of course, iTunes. And then we're going to try to get it to Netflix and some of the other streaming platforms as well. Yes, Netflix. Yes. <laughs> support this mission, guys. Support Denoris. Sure. You know, keep tabs what he's doing and support the film and the series when it comes out again thank you to norris and we look forward to seeing everything transform and your videos yeah. are fire they are thank really you. good really oh, thank good. you thank They're you so, so much informative. thank you for tuning in to chronicles abroad please support us by sharing this podcast through your social media platforms head over to itunes to subscribe rate and leave a review follow us on instagram and hit that like button at chronicles underscore abroad Find us online at our website, chroniclesabroad.com, for tips, resources, and ways we can collaborate. So don't forget to join us next week for another episode. Until then, beautiful people, thanks for listening. Music by Stephanie James and Almighty K-Rock, produced by Adam Marcus.